The Sisu Way, Episode 9, Strength to Give, with Lindsay Valenzuela. Be strong when you are weak, brave when you are scared, humble when you are victorious. Don't crawl into that tiny, small, dark hole. By not facing fears, matters will only become worse. Instead, be brave. Find the strength to become strong, to fight back, and find your voice to ask for help. Accomplish overcoming your fears. In return, you will put such a wonderful warm light in your tiny dark room that you will evolve into a courageous survivor. This is The Sisu Way, a show about grit, character, life philosophy, fitness, leadership, and service, and what it means to choose strength. My name is Scott McGee. I'm a family man, friend, thinker, and a peaceful warrior with an open mind and unconquerable soul. We are at the home of Automo CrossFit, my first off-site interview for the Sisu Way. And Automo is a Latin word for believe. And like Sisu, it's designed to instill belief, determination, drive, and inspiration. With their motto, I say yes, I believe, they firmly believe that their members will not only tackle tough workouts and competitions, but also knock down walls that may hinder their growth outside the gym. Building a community and belief in yourself will eliminate selfishness, which creates weakness. But loving and caring for others is a position of power beyond anything they can possibly imagine. Into the wave, we make you brave. Welcome to the Sisu Way, Lindsay Valenzuela. Hello. <laughs> and for listeners that don't know Lindsay, she has been an athlete all of her life, from sports such as swimming, uh, my favorite probably, the jazz dance background. <laughs> Uh, but it was volleyball that carried her from middle school to college ball at Cal Lutheran University. And it was in college that she discovered Olympic weightlifting where she was a USAW competitive lifter. Yeah, for a I couple guess is years. a simple way to put it. Yeah. Uh, and that led her to find CrossFit. And she went on to compete in the CrossFit game several times, uh, four times, I believe it was, with a second place finish in 2013. But Lindsay's also, an, beyond just being an athlete, She's a mom, she's a coach, a gym owner, a wife to a law enforcement officer, which is a challenge in and of itself, which we will get into in a little bit. But who is Lindsay Valenzuela? You know, what makes her soul light on fire? You know, where does she draw strength? How does she get mentally back on track? And what does it mean to lead others? These are the things I'm interested in. And Lindsay, you are like a sister to me. Mm-hmm. And... I feel like over the last few years, I haven't been there for you as much as we were prior to that. And so I hope in this interview, we do this justice to help tell your beautiful story, to bring us closer together. And I really want to show something about you that we haven't done on previous podcasts before. And also to, to leave something for your son mm-hmm. someday to look back on and, and listen to his mom okay. and stuff for my kids. And also... <clears throat> Something for the people that look to you for light, the people that look to you for passion, people that look to you for strength, and also probably my favorite thing mm-hmm. is people that look to you for vulnerability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so these are all goals of this particular interview. Why Automo? You mean why did I name it yeah, Automo? Like, yeah. Uh, so uh, in college... Um, I was fortunate enough to have Kelly Roselle come into my life in my sophomore year 
Um, I had a pretty rough start to my, I guess, college career as a volleyball player and as a student and just personally, um, just with some personal stuff going on. And uh, Kelly came into my life, like I said, sophomore year. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, she is probably, and to this day, I actually saw her yesterday. She came to the event we had here at the gym yesterday, is someone that will always be and continue to be one of the key factors of who I am today. Um, and she started the motto, Believe. And it wasn't just about believing in yourself as an individual. Um, I played a team sport, obviously volleyball. And she wanted us to believe in ourselves, but in each other as a team and believe what we're doing. Um, her theory and is still her theory that you have to believe in what you're doing for that goal or that dream to be accomplished. Because if you don't truly believe in everything that comes into play in that, in that goal, it's not going to happen. Um, so we had believe in our practice shirts. We had it in our warm-up shirts. We had it in our locker. We had it in everything. Um, and once I graduated, I ended up getting it tattooed on me. Um, and now I have a lot more to add to that collection. Um, but um, I, it's more than a word to me. It's a way of living. And um, I wanted to carry that over into a CrossFit gym um, because that's what helped me get through my CrossFit career in the very beginning and still to this day. Um, so, you know, we were messing around with um, the names and we came up with, actually my husband did some research and came up with the name, uh, the word Automo. And uh, it means I believe. Um, and it just felt like the most appropriate name for a gym um, and the community that we wanted to build. Now, if everyone that knows you knows that you you have that famous like video, I think it was, oh, man, was that 2012? The video when you made the games and you came up and you're talking about believing and yeah. driving. That was my second year, yeah. I also want to point out that uh, I was the one that told you you made the game. So you didn't believe me. And then you found out from uh, Andy. Andy. Yeah. And then you immediately went into your full crazy uh, passion <laughs> mode. And ice bath. Ice bath. Water went everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so a couple things. Uh, and obviously we're going to talk. Believe will be a big theme of the show. Okay. And also. I, I, I want to add something. Sorry. Before I move on past the believe that. For you, I've noticed it's not necessarily just believing, mm -hmm. right? Because just believing isn't going to do anything. Mm -mm. Is that you have to have the ability and drive to put in the work. Right. So, so I don't want to say, uh, it's not necessarily like a forced belief, but it's also, it's belief, but also believe in your ability to work for it. Right. I, I think people get mixed up with the concept of believe in the sense of like, well, if I just have this mental train of thought of believing, then I'll be fine. Well, yeah, you have to have that mental theory or that mental thinking, but you also have to be willing to understand and believe that you have to put the hard work in. I think they go hand in hand. I think, you know, you have a way of thinking, but um, if you don't do it physically, I don't think those two will meet in that path to accomplishing your goal. And I want to learn a little bit more about your coach, Coach Kelly. Okay. And I think it's important to point out, because um, I have a little bit of insight that I want to share with people, and that is you still have, this is your college coach, and now you're 
you know, professional gym owner, mom, but you also have this very, very tight relationship still with your college coach, Mm -hmm. which isn't, it's not a normal thing. No. (laughs) But what do you think, what do you think it was or what is it about the relationship uh, between the two of you? Uh, Kelly and me are very much alike in terms of personality. We're very black and white with our feelings. You can read our emotions on our face. Um, We will give 150% if you give us 150%. So Kelly was the type of person that, you know, when I, you know, had experienced for a couple of years, my freshman year uh, coach, not really um, being honest. And she is, I mean... Almost to a fault, we both are too honest. And you either like it or you don't like it. And she showed me what it meant to be, um, you know, a true hard worker, but a true person to every individual. And you knew whether she liked you or whether she didn't like you, what she expected of you and what she didn't expect of you. And it was just super refreshing at the time to meet someone like that that was just honest. Um, And... 100% believed in me and in return I believed in myself and it's it's not something that you come across every day and I I just I don't know what else to say other than if I did something I knew she would be in my corner whether I did it successfully or I didn't Um, she's there through thick and thin even to this day. So she lives four blocks away from me. My brother, uh, my sister and my brother-in-law are her neighbors. So their backyard backs up to her backyard. So um, it's just, it was just something organically happened where I knew she would be there for me and I would be there for her no matter what. You know how lucky you are to have someone like that, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So she's, she's pretty important to a lot of people, not just myself, but to every individual she comes into their lives, they, they will go to the end of the world for her because they know that she would do it back. And you used to listen to voicemails from her, right? Yeah. Do you still do that? Like voice memos? Yeah. She still sends them to me. She's, she sent them to me, uh, this past regionals and, um, you know, just, I know like if I don't hear from her, which is not very often, I always hear from her. Uh, I just know she's there. I know she's watching. I know she's, as nervous as I'm nervous, as fired up as I'm fired up, um, as angry as angry as I am, we, it just goes hand in hand. Like she feels our victories and our losses with us. You know, you you are so strong, mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I'm and of course definitely strong on a barbell. <laughs> we'll get into that. Oh no! But also super strong uh, personality. Mm-hmm. Strong and I would say just as strong as you are just as vulnerable emotionally. Mm -hmm. But that type of emotion gets like stronger, almost like if you have a type of mirror in front of you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so in a way you're saying you guys are very similar. Yeah. But so you have a reflection in front of you and when it bounces off each other and it gets stronger, like putting light and mirrors around it. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Has she said anything to you? Is there any like key like phrases or mantras or anything that or is it is there like a a, a time she yelled or a word or something she said that just um 
one thing that I can always remember is she, you know, the voice memo she sent me in the games 2013. The one line that always sticks out to me is take what's yours. Um, and you just sometimes know what you've been working so hard for, whether it's in CrossFit or not. And if you want something, then you better go take it. It doesn't mean like physically steal it. Um, but it means if you want it, then you better be able to put in the hard work, willing to put in the hard work, willing to go harder than anyone else is going out there. Um, do the work, whether it's physically or mentally, um, because it's yours for the taking. You know, anybody wants it, um, but you've got to be willing to do it. So that's something that sticks in my mind all the time is take what's yours, but you better be willing to do what needs to be done to take it. What do you think she's most proud of in you? Um, probably just not quitting when I could have, like in 2014 when I didn't make the games and felt like at the lowest. Um, but just growing up to be who I am today, I think she's super proud of that. It, it doesn't matter about victories or about um, losses with her. It matters about what kind of human being you've become. So, and I think that is something that's probably changed with you when it comes to what's different now than 2014. Oh yeah. <laughs> and for two and, and for the listeners, um, 2014 was coming off a year where. Lindsay, you got, two, you got second place at the CrossFit Games uh, the year before, 2013. Right. And for, the, for people that don't know, because not all, not all of our listeners are necessarily CrossFitters or people that right. follow, you know, it's just, it's just something, it's not what we are, it's something we do, is getting second place at the CrossFit Games is really hard to do. The closest thing I can compare it to <laughs> is kind of like the Olympics. Yeah. In a way, like if you get, to, it's this incredible amount of work and, and to be good at CrossFit, it takes, you have to be good at everything. You have to be good at sleeping, at rest, at mobility, at strength, at endurance. It's, there's nothing quite like it. And then just because you podium at the CrossFit Games one year does not automatically mean you get a free pass the next year. Right. That'd be great if it did. Yeah. Well, I think there was a rule, remember? for <laughs> It was. A, yeah, yeah. It was like if you got first, you got an automatic bid. But you get second place, and then you spend the rest of the year training hard. And it all comes down to... A particular weekend and mm-hmm. certain workouts and stuff like that and so I don't really want to get into the rep no rep <laughs> all the rules and stuff but there's a certain moment in time where it kind of came crashing down when mm-hmm. you realize that you weren't going to go back right and at that particular time your identity was a CrossFit athlete right right which didn't have a gym which is all you you just trained hard yep. you had, and financially, you're able to get support from sponsors mm-hmm. and from coaching. And, and so the perspective I'm trying to point out to people is that it was almost like a crack in identity. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Here you are training hard and then boom, like you're sinking in water and you're yeah. not going to make it. And the party's going on without you. Mm-hmm. And there's an element of embarrassment. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, like you said, I didn't have any other responsibilities. I don't think, you know, 
I, I also saw myself as a, you know, wife and a daughter and a sister at the time. Um, cause that's, you know, my only other responsibilities. And I don't think responsibilities is the correct word. Um, cause I enjoy all of those titles. Um, but yeah, all I had to focus on was just training. And I went from the highest of the highs being on the podium at the CrossFit games to not qualifying for, like you said, whatever reason. Um, but when you are engulfed and you just surround yourself in one thing and you're focusing on that, it it becomes a lot. It becomes a lot on your shoulders. It becomes heavy. And, you know, you are scared to lose. Um, but you can't be scared to lose. And I think, you know, not qualifying for the games, it taught me – um, you know, it's okay to lose. It's okay not to always win. Um, and I wasn't afraid to, you know, to not be on the podium anymore. I don't know if that makes any sense. I felt what it was like to be at the lowest of the lows. <laughs> well, sometimes by not reaching your goals is a better lesson and reward than making it. Yeah. And I felt like I was clear on you know there's another aspect to my life I don't just have to be a CrossFit Games athlete so um it wasn't the end of the world because I I felt the other side of things of not being at the games (laughs) I think that's what that world taught me (laughs) and that was 2014 yeah (laughs) Arsenio and RC just walked in here that's what we're looking at. <laughs> and for listeners, we got this cool setup. We're just, uh, it's Lindsay and I, and we're sitting in the center of Automo CrossFit, and there's nobody else in here mm-hmm. outside of uh, Pauly, and now your biggest fan Arsenio in the world. Squared. <laughs> I call him Arsenio Squared. Oh, when they're together? Yeah. <laughs> so now, you know, obviously your husband and son just walked in. Mm-hmm. And, like, how silly does 2014 look now? Oh, it it just, it doesn't even, this doesn't even, seeing them, like, I don't think you understand um, until you have a kid, like, when your world seems like it's crashing down, until you see, like, a mere image of yourself, sorry. Um, it doesn't matter. I mean... You could have the shittiest day at work. You could have someone be mean to you and you look at them and you're just like, God, like, how lucky am I? Like, there is a super higher power than you and I sitting here. I mean, I don't, you don't have to believe in God himself. You can believe in a higher spiritual power, but something's at work because you see them and you're just like, man, nothing else matters. Like, you just want to make sure they're happy and, you know, in return, you're happy when you see them happy. So this is kind of like the point of what I like to say is that you have you have you have victories, you have defeats, mm-hmm. right? And but you have to accept both of them as equals. Yeah. And and I've talked about is that if you focus on the lesson, you grow. Right. But if you focus on the pain, you suffer. Right. I you know, I think there's some justice in letting that pain kind of resonate with you and sit with you for a little bit. Um, because, you know, 2014 was super painful. Like 
And also I'm in, you know, the limelight. People see me and they see me, see my frustration going on. They saw the hurt that was going on. Um, and you have to let it hurt for a little bit. I think if you were just mm-hmm. to get over it right away, it would, you didn't really care about it from the very beginning. Uh, <laughs> so I had to let it hurt. Um, but then I had to learn how to move on. I think if anything in life, whether it's via sports or a family situation or a friendship or whatever, you have to let it hurt for a little bit, but you also have to learn to get over it. Um, and whether that's through reading or talking with your significant other or spending more time with your family, you have to get over it and you have to move on for it. Don't forget it, but don't, don't sit on it. Don't simmer on it for too long. Now, I kind of want to tie it back into a few things here. I want to tie it back into what we opened up with, right? Hey, buddy. Your son's first podcast? Yeah. Uh, to tie it back into the beginning of what we talked about, it was uh, being strong when you were weak. Mm-hmm. And I think that initially can be misleading. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay, because someday you're going to listen to this and you're going to think how awesome it was and you came, the CC Way is your first podcast. <laughs> but it, it, the, the concept of being strong when you were weak, right? Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that necessarily... Does that, does that mean not be vulnerable, right? We talked about pretending to be strong when you were weak. But I think being strong when you were weak also means being strong to recognize... Being strong to recognize your vulnerability. You know, I think there's a huge misconception. I think people think being vulnerable is a, a sign of weakness, um, but I think it's a sign of strength. I think it shows people that, you know, even a even a warrior who seems unscathed or that can't be unscathed can be strong and can show that sign of sadness or emotion. Um, but it shows people that you're real, that you're not unbreakable, that you are not superhuman. It shows people that you can be weak at times, and that's okay. Um, my thing has always been being about being upfront, whether it's through social media or people meet me in person. What you see is what you get, um, whether it's a good emotion or a bad emotion. And I want people to know that's okay. It's okay to be weak at times. It's okay to be sad at times. Um, and I think that's a big part of being who I am, that being vulnerable is, is okay. It's not a side of weakness. I, I think that's, that's silly to think it is. Which is why I want to point out something about this podcast. And that is, this is a family show mm-hmm. and I don't mind him doing this stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's a busy bee. I know you know you have two boys. He's nonstop. How old is he now? He's twenty months, so it'll be two and I can't two in, in May. I can't believe it. Uh, I, I I definitely want to also point this part out to you and everyone listening, <laughs> and that is that being a mother is really hard. Yeah. Just keep going. Oh, every day is a different challenge. But like I said, uh, I wouldn't imagine life without him. I've always wanted to be a mom. So, um, when we. Going into 2015 games, I knew that was going to be my last games, not ever, but my last games as, you know, just being a wife, just being a sister, 
just being a daughter. Um, we knew we wanted to start a family the moment we met each other, um, but we wanted to do it at our time. Was it the exact moment? Oh, yeah. I was like, let's well, do like it. When you were a hot dog and he, when, yeah, or when he I, was a hot dog and you were dressed up yeah, as a cop? Yeah. Right. He was King Wiener to be exact. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Hey, King Wiener. You want to have a family? Yeah. <laughs> You want to ask mommy a question? He wants to be cray cray. <laughs> How was pregnancy? Um, so it was terrible. <laughs> uh, I am not going to sugarcoat that. Unfortunately, you know, I thought going into pregnancy, I'm, it's never easy. I think every pregnancy for everyone has its thing where it's got its really hard point and really easy point. I think every pregnancy isn't 100% like this is amazing. Um, if there's a lady that says every pregnancy was freaking awesome, you're a liar. I want to meet you and I want to talk about your whole entire pregnancy and you should be journaling that shit because it was not easy for me. Um, but yeah, it, it was not easy. It was from day one, very tough on me, whether it was physically or mentally or both at the same time. And you had to have, what, 70 pounds, I think you put on? No, I put on 85. 85 pounds. I was 245 when I had him. <laughs> yeah. I was a two bills and 45. Gosh, that is exhausting. Yeah. You're telling me. Are we no repping dad right now? <laughs> yes. He's vacuuming. Can't, he, can't be mad at that. No. <laughs> How'd your back feel during that? So going into pregnancy, I, I was, you know, I had a lot of back issues going into the 2015 games. Um, you know, not, not feeling great. That's always been an issue. Um, and then August, so right after the games, I was working out and I, you know, re-injured it pretty bad. Um, not like a new injury, just re-aggravated. Um, my S1 through L4 is, is just, I have a herniation, mostly in my S1. Um, the day I was supposed to have a microdisectomy, um, was all ready to go, all signed up, insurance all ready to go. Day before my pre-op, we found out I was pregnant, so that didn't happen, obviously. Um, and then just did physical therapy three to four days a week while I was pregnant. So that changed things in terms of, you know, doing CrossFit while pregnant in the very beginning because I couldn't. <laughs> I, was doing, I was doing CrossFit, but I was very simplifying it to not just on the needs of my pregnancy, but on my back the first, I'd say, couple months. What kind of – because I know you wanted to come back and be a competitive athlete mm -hmm. after pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Now, was there a period of time where you had your doubts about your ability to do that? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, seeing how much weight that I had gained, um, knowing that I had started my pregnancy with a pretty severe back injury, um, thinking about the recovery, I was like, I don't know if I'm ever gonna be back to the games. Maybe I should just have called it. Maybe just do CrossFit for fun. Not that it isn't fun, but you know, just do it more as you know, uh, you know, I'm coaching it and workout routine. Um, so. There wasn't a day where I was like, oh, man, I don't know if this is going to happen. 
Because, you know, when you're living it and you're physically feeling all that, you're just like, crap, I'm going to have a lot of ground to make up after this this pregnancy. So, yeah, I can remember they're sitting there at night with Arsenio and saying, this, I'm, I'm done. I'm never going to be able to do this again. And he was just like, no, Lindsay, this is only temporary. You can do it. Um, and me just rolling my eyes and be like, okay, yeah, whatever. You're just saying that. So I'm not freaking out at the moment. <laughs> So you 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 kind of expected it all to go away really quickly. No, uh, yeah. I mean, I think social media and a lot of these women paint a picture of like an unrealistic picture that you know everyone's like, oh well, you drop twenty five to thirty five pounds before you even leave the hospital because it's all baby weight and baby, and you're losing a lot of water. Yeah, but you still have your postpartum body after and you still have weight to lose once you leave the hospital, whether it's 10 pounds or in my case, 60 pounds when I left the hospital. Um, so yeah, I think it, there's a lot of unrealistic images being painted for women out there in the world. Well, that's something I, I want to highlight is your realness to relate to people. Yeah. Because I do agree that there is this sort of like, and maybe it's just in our little, you know, social media bubbles, but I kind of feel like we've got to this point where like there, for women, there's this unnecessary stress or race to all of a sudden bounce back to like super fit appearance. Yeah. And I don't know if that's necessarily the most healthy thing. And I want to highlight that it's okay to work through that process. Yeah. It's okay because there is strength there. It's because of you guys, you know, that the ability to bear a child mm -hmm. and do what your body has to do to give that, that life a uh, 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 thriving shot at living. Mm -hmm. That's such like a, it's a beautiful gift <coughs> that I feel like sometimes maybe we culturally are, are too quick to dismiss. Yeah, I think, you know, um, like I said, being in the limelight and being in the spotlight, I should say, I was embarrassed because I had 60 pounds to still lose. I couldn't work out my entire pregnancy. I wasn't this model athlete, I think, that social media has painted um, for women. Um, I thought I was going to be. I thought I was going to be able to work out my whole entire pregnancy. I didn't think I was going to have any health issues like I did. Um, I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but... Um, you know, what really pisses me off is social media is so unrealistic, I think. Even if you can relate to these women where you lose all your baby weight within two weeks postpartum, um, good for you. But you, you still probably have other things going on that we can't see. Um, and I've never wanted to paint that unrealistic picture for people. I've always wanted to be upfront about what my struggles were because when I was going through them, I felt so alone in the terms of I didn't have anyone to relate to. Um, you know, I had the support of my mom and my sister and other women, t women telling me, like, you know, hey, you're going to be able to get back to where you were. Sorry. That was, that was <laughs> RC's head. <laughs> um, you're going to be able to compete again. You're going to be able to do everything. But I, I didn't believe them. You know, I, I didn't have any, anyone showing me anything differently. I needed physical concrete evidence like visual 
And so for me, I've always wanted to be black and white. I've always wanted to be transparent that it's not easy, that it's okay to have these struggles, that it's okay to feel guilty about like, man, I hate the way I look and I hate the way I feel, but I'm so blessed and so so ecstatic about having this new life next to me that's part of me. So it's just, for a better lack of phrase, it's a mind fuck. Like you're really, really happy and excited, but then you're depressed and you're sad and you're worried because you don't feel like yourself. You don't feel like you. Yeah, the entire dichotomy of thought there and challenging. Yeah. That, that again, I think you have to, and again, I'm not a woman. I've never gone through it and I can't relate. But I think to, to bring back what you said is to recognize those feelings mm-hmm. and allow yourself to feel those. Yeah. Not to deny it. And to really bring up and address the postpartum mm-hmm. emotional issues as well. Oh, yeah. So I think that's, that's every woman goes through like this. They're not sleeping. They don't feel good about themselves. They don't know if they're doing what being a mom is supposed to be doing. They don't know if they're doing it right. They don't know if they're making the right decisions. Um, you know, I don't think I ever went through this postpartum depression itself. I think that's a, a, a broad term. But I think that um, all the worries and concerns that you have and the feelings that you have, maybe they're not exactly positive, like um, self-positive thoughts. I think that's natural. But if you are having issues like of, you know, postpartum depression, that that's normal. That's not, I think there's a stigma behind that too. I think that um, it's not addressed. I don't think that, there's a lot of things that are addressed in our society about pregnancy that are hard for women after the fact and, yeah. and during pregnancy too. Well, congratulations for having a healthy pregnancy. Thank you. <laughs> and, and, well, yeah, no, I know. And I say that, you know, from perspective and stuff that I've seen, yeah. you have a healthy child. So yeah, I, I told everyone I would be on bed rest again for two and a half months and, have a C-section and all that. I would do it all over again just to ensure. I put myself second as soon as I found out I was pregnant. I, I did everything to make sure that he was okay. I was okay with the fact that I had to have a C-section because all that mattered was that he was okay. You have to be a very selfless person, and um, I don't think there's a lot of selfless people, um, not just in our sport or in my sport, but in the world, and as soon as you're pregnant or you become a parent, you have to be selfless. You have to put yourself second. That is something that I've talked about is that before you have kids, mm-hmm. you're still the kid, you're still the child. Oh yeah. Even if you're 45, 50 <laughs> years old, you're still the kid. You don't have to act like it, but you are because you're- You're still just, the kid. Yeah, you're taking care of yourself. And then as soon as you get pregnant or especially you know, the work really gets started once the baby's out, right? Because oh, yeah. um, becoming the parent is a completely different shift in identity mm-hmm. that you can't really explain to somebody. Yeah. So to bring, to, to before the show, we were briefly talking about titles. Mm-hmm. And I was describing you on the show, like being a gym owner, a CrossFit Games athlete, um, wife, all these things are just titles. Uh-huh. But... W- how do you identify yourself? Just Lindsay. I don't really, I don't really particularly like the title thing. I mean, 
and people are like, you know, it's a really important title to have as a mom or as a daughter or as a sister. I don't, I don't see that. I just see me as Lindsay. And, um, those aren't titles. There's, those aren't terms. I feel like when you say your title is a mom, it's like, it, it makes it sound like a job. I don't know if that makes sense. I, I don't feel like being a mom is a job. I don't feel like being an athlete is a job. I don't feel like being a mom is a job. I feel like it's more of a blessing. Like I have the opportunity to do that. And I'm going to make sure that I take advantage of that opportunity to do the best I can at all of those. And it's harder some days than, than the next. I can't always do what I feel like is my best. Um, but when I'm in something, I, I make sure that I'm in it and I do it right. And I think that's why I've been successful is I've never seen anything as a title or as a job. It's just been something that I do and something that I want to do right and do well. I'm writing down some notes because I want to point out two things that you said. <laughs> One, you've been known to be called the people's champ. <sighs> and I think that has to do with your relatability <laughs> and in I think your passion and vulnerability is a beautiful thing. Thank you. <clears throat> Absolutely. I mean, I think that is what, why people love you. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I just, you know, I started reading, I remember telling you that book, uh, Daring Greatly, who actually Camille LeBlanc recommended to me a, f a couple months ago. And, um, you know, I, we sat there and her and I talked about, you know, people being very judgmental. And I said, you know, it just sucks that, you know, sometimes I'm very uh, vulnerable about, you know, what I'm going through, my emotions, and then people castize you for it. And I said, sometimes it makes me not want to be open about uh, my emotions or, you know, what I'm going through. And she goes, but Lindsay, that's why people relate to you. That's, that's why you are who you are. And you shouldn't have to change you being black and white because some people don't like it. And I've always said that to people, like I've talked about it to my husband being like, you know, maybe I should just, you know, just be your cooking, cooker, cookie cutter type of person where it's okay, well, you know, I'm happy all the time. And, but, you know, I, I, I don't know how to be fake. What you see is what you get. I've always been like that through, since I was a kid, I think I get that a lot from both of my parents. Um, but I don't. I don't do it because I I want to do it or I don't want to do it. It's just, I just, I am, I am what I am. And, and <laughs> uh, for, for, for good and bad, mm -hmm. within the CrossFit community, you've been kind of put on a stage and a lot of your emotion mm -hmm. and say anger and disappointments and the way you've handled stress or all this stuff has been broadcast for people to right. look and judge. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely want to point this out in that you have stuck to how you are mm -hmm. and you haven't gone, oh, because I'm on camera, I'm going to act a certain way now. Right. And I think that's super powerful. Knowing who you are and mm -hmm. sticking to it and then being proud of it is really, really important. It comes yeah. to each episode I talk about temet noske, which is a Latin phrase for know thyself. Mm -hmm. Most people go their entire lives and not knowing, <coughs> not knowing themselves. So. Right. So definitely uh, good on you. And then the, the second part I want to point out is that in the title of the show, Strength to Give. Mm -hmm. 
you have, you can take it back a few years, right? Mm-hmm. You were the strong one in CrossFit. Yeah. You were the strong female. You were. Man, <laughs> times have changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but okay, but let me point something out. You, you were snatching 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. And if you guys don't know what that is, it's an Olympic weightlifting event. It's uh, weight is on a barbell and you come up, you grab a barbell and you lift it over your head in one motion. Yeah. It's basically how it goes. Mm-hmm. You take the weight, snatch it over your head. So for a female, was it, for, any, for a male, snatching 200 pounds is a lot of yeah. weight. But for a female, it's a lot of weight. And you mm-hmm. were cleaning, cleaning and jerking, what, 240 at the time? Yeah. And so you became, became known, your, your, your handle, your, your trademark, your call sign was Lift Like Lindsay. Uh-huh. So you have this strength, right? In the, the strength, physical strength to lift a barbell. Mm-hmm. And I say to give because, mm-hmm. because of you and because of your exposure and what people saw in you, you showed them something within themselves. Mm-hmm. And you had that ability to give other people strength. Mm-hmm. And I think partially because of you, you've escalated strength in females probably across the world. I'd hope so. I mean, for me, it was a personal goal of wanting to lift more. I didn't really, when I first started it, think of like, oh, well, this is going to inspire people to lift more. Like you never want your competition to lift as much as you or more than you. Um, so that didn't really um, come into my mind. Um, but you know, when people would start messaging me, like it, you showed me that it was okay to lift heavy as a female. It was okay to lift. I wanted to lift more. I wanted to keep setting new goals for myself. I think it just kind of organically happened. I didn't really think that was going to happen. And then um, I think as I grew as an athlete, social media grew. The importance of it within being an athlete grew. Um, <laughs> so it just kind of happened. I just honestly just organically started happening and now you know there's girls lifting more than me and now I'm chasing them (laughs) so I think it's funny how it's worked (laughs) but that's what you'd want you want I mean it's a good thing to have that relationship and they keep getting pushed oh yeah for sure I mean I think it would be boring if no one was lifting as much as me um or more than me uh but you know, like I, like we talked about earlier, there's still girls that are all they have to focus on is just lifting or just, you know, making sure that they snatch more than the person next to them. Um, but now, as you can hear, I have a lot more cooler responsibilities other than just being an athlete. Yeah, the ability to snatch a baby off the ground. Yeah. Which is a... And put a baby to sleep for time. Yeah, right. right. I, I don't think... My workouts are done until he's asleep at nighttime. I consider that like my seventh or eighth workout of the day. Because by, by the time I'm done putting him to sleep, I'm sweating and I'm mentally exhausted. So um, I think that's a cool part of also becoming a mom is that everything else seems simple. I think, you know, we talked about earlier, like everything becomes very insignificant. And... Trust me, there's days where I'm like, man, I do not want to do this workout. It is hard. I'm tired. I didn't go to bed till 2 in the morning last night because my mind was working after he went to sleep. But it's put everything in perspective and, like, you know, things aren't that hard. Things could be a lot harder. And um, it's just thir- – and making sure he's watching Booba, as you can hear, is the most important thing and is the hardest thing sometimes 
other than just doing a workout. And if you haven't heard of Booba parents, Google or YouTube Booba. B-O-O-B-A. You're welcome. Is it like a... Oh, that's cool. Paw Patrol or It's Blaze, a little rat. Peppa Pig. Oh, God. No, he loves Paw Patrol. No, uh, Booba's a little rat. It goes on adventures and he gets himself in predicaments and then has to get out of it. I don't know. It's a godsend. <laughs> to go back to the strength of the give, and I think it's this is something that is... I don't know if you notice this about yourself. Mm-hmm. Maybe you do, but you have the ability to make other people feel really good. Oh, really? <laughs> Thank when you. When people around you know, I'm saying you, you <laughs> when you're around certain people, uh-huh. not everyone makes you feel good. Not everyone no. laughs at your jokes, even if it's funny or not. <laughs> but being around you is like, it, it's, I like it. makes me feel good. Boom. And I think it's something that is a, a, an attractive quality about you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to list that as my description. Huh? I'm going to list that, list that as one of my descriptions. <laughs> uh, and then uh, speaking of strength to give. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now, you, you know, through CrossFit, through mm-hmm. your emotional strength, your physical strength, your competitive strength, it's led you to the ability to now where we're at is mm-hmm. you in your hometown in Moorpark, California, you mm-hmm. have Automo CrossFit. Yeah. And it's given you the ability to give back in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And I know you just had an important fundraiser yesterday. I kind of want to know a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, so um, my really good friend uh, from college, Courtney um, Krieger, uh, that's her maiden name, um, she has uh, a nephew. Um, and I actually met her sister-in-law, the mother of Fritz, um, w- long time ago. I mean, I think it was when me and Arsenio were dating and first living together. She came to pick up uh, Courtney from our house. And I met her. It's, just, it's Everything comes full circle. And um, they have three boys, five, four, and Fritz, who is a year and a half. And um, normal pregnancies, normal postpartum with all of them. And then Fritz, who is a couple months uh, younger than Avery, Courtney's um, daughter, and then a couple months younger than Arcee. Um, they started seeing some delayed uh, milestones in him, like his walking, his crawling, his muscle um, composition just wasn't the same. Um, so they took him to the doctor, and um, I mean, the worst fear of any parent is to find out that their child is sick. Um, but also you have a prognosis of what you're dealing with. So he got tested and they found out he had Duchenne muscle dystrophy. And what that is, is a, he has a, a mutation between chromosome 57 and 59. And it's like a micro mutation. So, I mean, you're talking just a, nothing. You'd have, you had to do all these testing to figure it out. And basically what happens is that um, uh, he has antibodies that attack his muscles. And um, the muscles stop forming. And as we all know that your heart is a muscle, your lungs are a muscle, everything works in conjunction with your muscles. Um, So what first will happen is he'll become wheelchair bound, sorry. And then... um, his lungs will stop working and then his heart will stop working. 
Um, it only affects boys, and they don't live past their mid-20s. Um, so um, there's trials and stuff that, that he could go through, but he has antibodies, and um, it's basically like a virus, if you want to look at it that way, and his antibodies will attack the virus if they give him this trial drug that is in existence. But what their options are next are to try steroids once he tries or turns three, um, or if they do come up with some sort of exploratory treatment. Um, but it is fatal, um, and he will not live past his 20s. Um, so as a parent, I, um, to a boy, even if, it, if I had a girl, but as a boy, um, moms have a special place in their heart when they have little boys, not that they don't for little girls. All you would hope and pray for is a healthy child. But as a mom, I can speak for is you see your son and you're like, okay, well, they're going to leave the nest because they're going to become a man. And once a, they say that when you have a girl, they never truly leave the nest. But when you have a boy, they leave the nest and they come back only when they, they need to or they want something. But that's just the old wise saying. Um, but I could imagine Sarah and Bryant, the dad, going to the doctor and finding out, well, we know what it is, but your son is basically has a fatal condition and you're going to see him deteriorate. Um, as a, as a parent, you don't want to see that. You don't want to, you don't even like seeing your kid have a cold or a fever. Cause you're like, you want to take that away. But when there's literally nothing you can do because there's no treatment for it, I, 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 I can't understand or fathom what they're going through as parents. So we had a fundraiser yesterday um, you know, I made sure that I used my voice to help, um, the family and we raised money for their nonprofit, um, and all the funds will go towards Fritz and his life dealing with this. Um, and then, you know, I have some really good, um, amazing clients that are, have big hearts and are all parents. That's the big, cool thing about our gym is we have a lot of parents and we have a lot of kids. Um, and within 24 hours, um, uh, my member Loftus, Ryan Loftus said, you know, I feel like it's on my heart to do more than just raise money for his nonprofit. So within less than 24 hours, we raised over $2,000 for a trip for, um, Disneyland and, um, uh, you know, hotel fees, um, and just spending cash for them. So we raised over two grand for the nonprofit and then two grand to make sure they had time to build some more family experiences. Is there a way for our listeners to find if they want to help out? Yeah, so um, on my Instagram, I posted uh, the website. Um, so there's a website up there for um, the uh, listeners to go to if they wanted to um, go and donate and also learn more about the um, Duchenne's uh, muscle dystrophy. Um, if you guys wanted to go to Fritz and Friends, dmd.org, you can do that. Um, the workout I also posted up there. So Arsenio came up with a really great workout. Um, all the numbers are uh, special numbers. It was um, his birthday, um, the 57 chromosome that's affected, and then his uh, diagnosis date. Um, so, yeah, if you want to go there and, and look at it, also go to my Instagram, Lift Like Lindsay. You can find all that information there. 
I'll also post all the information in the show notes yeah. of this episode at thecsuway.com. Yeah. That is just another reminder of why I always say health is wealth. Yeah. And, you know, it sounds like, you know, th- this fatal disease is also, we all have a fatal disease mm-hmm. and that is life in yeah. itself. We're all going to end up, we all end up dying. <laughs> right. There's no cure for that. No. And sometimes you get reminders to live on purpose, mm. to love on purpose mm. and not to wait. Right. And I think we, I think, I think we tend to spend a little too much time being, you know, thinking that six months from now is going to be there. Right. You it's just, not, I mean, I've had a lot of reminders in the last few months of that. Um, you know, my coach lost her husband and uh and then this so you have to think of a lot of things put your life into perspective and it that it, that's not the way it should work um but you know things are bigger than just you know going to the games things are bigger than just getting a trophy things are bigger than getting recognized on Instagram or Facebook you know it's the legacy that you leave and i think whether you have kids or not you need to make sure like we were watching the movie Coco last night and the 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 theme of it is you know um, the day of the dead. I'm not going to use the Spanish tech term because I'll butcher the way you say it. But um, just try. No. <laughs> um, so you put a picture and you remember and you keep their memory going. Well, what's your legacy? What are people going to remember you by? By what you leave as an individual or your children that you leave and they keep that legacy going on, not only as a person physically, but how they think, how they act, that's your legacy. And to me, you know, I wanna make sure that people understand that just being fit isn't just your legacy. Being fit is who you are as a person and how you inspire people. And I only know how to be me. And like you said, I only know how to be real. So if I can inspire people to be real and show their vulnerability and show that it's okay not to be strong all the time and to show my son that and future kids if we have more, um, I think then I'd be happy. <laughs> that's, that's what I'd be proud of. Because I can have another you know, trophy around my neck or medal around my neck, but at the end of the day, how much does that really mean? How's Kelly doing? She's good. She's, you know, it's hard. Um, they have kids? Yeah, they have a daughter. I think that is something that is, especially if it's an unexpected death. Mm-hmm. Like death of parents, death in general is a really interesting, and I say interesting, uh, almost on accident. But thing of how to, how to deal with it and emotionally and how to progress and how to keep going on in life and how to address it. And I kind of bring that up just because my dad died five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think right now my family is really, really starting to grieve. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes time. Yeah. I think, um, especially if you're a child, you never imagine seeing your, I mean, as a parent, you never want to bury your kid, but as a child, this person that you looked up to, 
for so long that helped create you, you're like, well, where are they now? You know what I mean? Like you have so many unanswered questions and so many things you want them to see that you're like, you're, you're kind of angry at first. I think you go through that grieving process of, you know, really sad and then being angry and then being sad and then coming to a realization like, oh, wait, they're not going to be here for this. They're not going to be there for that. So you get upset and it's a weird dynamic of you, you have your own family, but you also miss the people that were you from the very beginning. Yeah. And if you guys haven't listened, if you go, if you want to hear me talk about the kind of like the, the origin of the show mm. and the why, go back to episode one for dad. Check that one out. Yeah. That tore my sister up, by the way, that episode. <sighs> like, I bet. So you're talking about legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I want to point this out to people, and I've talked about it before, but what do you want to leave if you were to leave right now? And I've talked about the term, the Latin phrase, memento mori before, remembering that you would die or remember that you would leave. <laughs> Just eat it? Yeah. That's a common theme here. <laughs> well, okay, well, side note, mm-hmm. with uh, my son Caden, mm-hmm. every time he falls now, we say get up strong. Yeah. It's become a thing. We were walking up the hill in uh, Lake Tahoe in the snow and he kept falling and crying and getting up t- upset about it. <laughs> That's frustrating. That's like that movie no. you see uh, the guy's going in the driveway and it's black ice and he keeps trying to get up and that yeah, but be that's frustrating. It's frustrating, but that's mm-hmm. a great metaphor for life. Like yeah. Sometimes the life is not easy, right? No. It's going to hit you hard. It's going to beat you up. Yeah. You're going to fall. Sometimes you're going to be going up a hill right. in snow and ice and you're right. going to, no matter what you do, you might get up perfectly. Mm-hmm. You're going to slip. Right. But it's a, there's a decision. When you fall, boom. How do you get back up? You are in control of that particular thought. Yep. And you get to choose which way you go. Yeah. And so I've talked about how strength is a choice. And so I immediately, when I work with them now, is saying, get up strong. Because yep. what does it do? It flicks a switch to like accountability that yeah. I can do something about this. Yeah. And... It's like the, the change in his demeanor now. It's cute. And, and when I go to, when, sometimes when I'm leaving home or if uh-huh. I'm going to work, yeah, he's like, he'll tell daddy, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do, I'm going to get up strong. Aw. And I don't know, as a parent, that's yeah. kind of like. You're like, don't show him your tears. Don't show him your tears. Well, no. That, <laughs> it, well, he's not going to be that person. Yeah. If he's in it like, oh, I mean, he's going to learn who he is. Yeah. Right. And this is something I think we've talked about vulnerability of strength. <laughs> But, uh, but getting up strong, I feel like I'm all, okay, all right, you're five years old. I'm done with you. I've raised you right. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's Bye. It. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> Enjoy. Uh, drive yourself to T-ball. <laughs> but if you could, let's just say 20 years from now, mm-hmm. when your son is 21 years old, mm-hmm. and if he was going to listen to this podcast, and let's just say for some reason something were to, to happen and you couldn't chat. Mm-hmm. What kind of message would you want to leave for him? Well, that I didn't really start living until he was born. And that it's okay to be who you are, whether you're black and white and truthful and honest and you hurt people's feelings. It's okay because you want to be an honest person to whoever you're 
talking to or treating or working with because if honesty isn't your main characteristic, then people aren't going to know who you truly are. Um, And I want to show them that everything that I've done is through honesty. And it's okay to show people that things upset you or things make you happy and that you like something or you don't like something because if people can't accept you for who you are, they don't need they don't need to be in your life. And that's something that I've learned through the years and soon to be 31 years old have had to learn and it's taken me that long. Um, but also that I'm okay with people seeing every side of me and that shows strength that showing people that you're sad and showing people that you're happy or any emotion that you have, it's okay. It's okay. And it makes you a better person and it makes you a real person. And, um, not everyone's going to like it, but if they don't like it, they can take it or leave it. And the opening, the be strong when you were weak, brave when you were scared, humble when you were victorious. Uh, you talked about getting that put onto a piece of wood. It's already in his room. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's already. Uh, my sister actually and my brother-in-law made it for me, and it's hanging in his room. And every time I want him to see that, and when he's able to read and he reads that, I want him to show what his meaning of those words mean. So strong when you are weak, meaning if you're showing your weaknesses, whether you're showing, you know, you can't do something or physically or mentally, showing people that you can't do that, that's okay. Um, Brave when you are strong or brave when you are scared. Um, Showing people, yeah, I'm freaking scared right now, but hey, I need help or this is what I do when I'm scared. And Humble when you're victorious, whether you're victorious in an athletic event or any part of your life, that you you show that you're proud and that you're excited of it, but you're also showing that it didn't come easy and that it was through hard work, not just through talent. Showing every emotion that goes with those big words, it's okay to do that. And in, that's what people will be inspired by, by showing everything the good and the bad that you went to to accomplish those emotions and those actions. To switch gears a little bit, now you as an athlete mm-hmm. are a lot more powerful mm-hmm. than you were prior. Even I think so. You're more powerful than you were in 2014 when you got <laughs> second place at the games. Yeah. Something else I'm kind of interested in is, for the last few minutes here, is to talk about you wait till he walks away. <laughs> is is what it's like to be uh, the wife to someone involved in law enforcement, and and how does that affect parenting, and how does that affect his ability to be a father, and timing, and availability? You know how to hit the questions hard right off the bat. <laughs> it's you know. Um, we live in a really scary time right now, I think, for law enforcement, for firefighters, for any type of first responder. And, uh, you know, as you can relate and as your wife can relate, people don't really understand it unless they live it. 
um, you know, people realize that it's a dangerous job as a police officer. Um, and you guys have to wear bulletproof vests and guns and any type of weapon because it's a fight for your life and it could change from one day to the next, you know, I mean, you guys see the worst of the worst and the best of the best, but you know, no one's running to be a cop and see crappy situations or deal with crappy people. Um, and as a wife, I know that's what you guys deal with. And, um, when you have a kid, you don't worry about yourself anymore. You worry about your kids and you want to make sure that your wife or your husband's coming home to your kids. Um, but when there's so much hate towards people based on them wearing a badge or wearing a uniform, it's scary. Um, it makes me angry that you guys have to deal with so much crap. Um, you know, but we don't live a normal lifestyle. You guys don't live a normal lifestyle, but you, you take it on because you, you are honored to take it on as a family member and you deal with it because that's what you signed up for. But it does get worrisome. I worry about Arsenio. I worry about you. I worry about all my friends in law enforcement because, you know, um, there's a lot of evil and a lot of hate in this world, but I think God put it on your guys' hearts and designed you guys to be his warriors of good. Um, so that's why I'm just so proud of everyone, every single one of you, because I know that's what you're trying to do. And some days it doesn't feel like you're doing anything, and other days it, it feels like you're making a difference, but usually nine out of 10, it's like, well, just putting another drug addict away in, in the jail sometimes. And if you can make everybody else safe, I think that's making your family safe. So it's hard. <laughs> it's not easy. No, no, it is. <laughs> There's so many other dynamics that people don't understand. Yeah, that. and I know this can derail the entire podcast, but... <laughs> I'm going to, for, for the listeners, I'm going to be doing some episodes specifically law enforcement based. Yeah. I'll do a few of them in, a, in, in different ways. Mm -hmm. But this is a unique situation and I get to talk to, as somebody in law enforcement and talking to um, a wife of a law enforcement officer. And I think that is an underappreciated role. Mm -hmm. And I say that because I can recognize our own and, our, and almost like... Um, Almost like our own. And he's making the wee oo wee oo sound because every time he sees a car, he he makes the siren noise. Okay. <laughs> well, good. He's gonna be a helper. Yeah. But it's the. I recognize now more than before that there is an element of emotional baggage and emotional stress. Oh, um, for sure. Almost like a darkness that we carry with us sometimes. Uh, uh, some emotional unavailability. Uh, maybe we're a little bit more quiet than we used to be. Oh, yeah. We smile differently. Yep. <laughs> we think differently. Mm -hmm. And this is all stemming from like a, a certain level of emotional stress that we bear on behalf of Everyone you come into contact the with. The communities, right? Right. 
And, and I mean, I've seen it. Like I can tell when he's having a bad day and a good day. And, you know, you, you don't become so jaded. You know, you see the change like, um, you know, Amanda and I have probably been able to see the change in you guys through the years that your career has progressed or, you know, where you're working. And, um, you know, we've been with you guys for a very long time and we've seen the best of the best and the worst of the worst situations or days that you guys have. Um, but for me, it's like when you're married to someone that you love and you would go to the end of the world with and you're their best friend, you know, um, you're going to do your best to support them. And whether that's they need someone else to talk to other than us, then you do that. Or you just call them out on your guys' bullshit. Like, look, I need you to help me this day. And if you're tired, well, I'm tired too. So we got to do this together and be a team. And I think that's part of being a team and being married to um, law enforcement is that you have to be ready to understand that you guys are going to be tired. And you're going to go through emotional changes because, like I said emotionally before, that there's so much evil and hate that you guys have to deal with. No one's running into bad situations, but you guys run into those bad situations because that's part of your job description. You know what's weird about that? <laughs> and I want to point something out to people, and I, I think I've talked about it on this podcast, is that when whatever job that you have, imagine when you're getting ready for that job <laughs> that you actually have to put on a bullet resistant vest to go to it because that's, it's armor. It's weird. It's right. a, the concept. I'm like, Hey, I got to go to work, but first let me put on this vest <laughs> in case I get shot. It's a weird concept. <laughs> I mean, but, but that, and then, then, and then you talked about the weapon, the simplest way that I've described, uh, a weapon, and mm -hmm. let's just say I'll, I'll just go all the way to the extreme and talk about the gun, not the baton, the taser, yeah. all this stuff, but let's say the gun. The gun in the hands of uh, the good guy mm. is a life-saving tool. Right. It's not a life-taking tool. Right. And so, and not only that, if you go beyond that, if you go to the actual person, mm -hmm. and yes, I think I've talked about blue discrimination. Yeah. Somebody walks into a coffee shop in a police uniform, Already, everyone's going to Everyone's, yeah. Everyone right? stops and stares. Yeah. It's absolutely like, but that, is, is, is. Some, that yeah. is the reality of it. And so I think like the, the culture of people, and obviously, yes, everyone, there are some bad apples. But in any job. But in it, yeah. exactly. CEO you have bad or, doctors. You right. have bad teachers. You have, it's just the nature yeah. of humans. Right. But for the general mass is that you have, you have like the best of the, that the community has to offer right. because it, you don't hurt. Hey, there's a, there's a, there's a fight and there's a knife involved. <laughs> that's not something normal that people would normally want to rush to. Like, oh, okay, let's go look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's something that law enforcement does. Right. And then generally they're excited about it. It's a weird thing. No, I know. But also excited to go because they're doing, it's fun. They get to go with their friends. But either way, we also get called to the the stuff where it's the worst parts of human behavior. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to, I don't want to spend the time telling the stories on this one, but they're in your deepest, darkest imagination of human behavior. Think of that and then picture that somebody has to go handle that. Mm -hmm. Somebody has to go tell the mom that their two year old died. Mm -hmm. Somebody has to go handle the child sexual assault investigation. Right. Somebody has to go 
and deal with the uh, domestic violence. Somebody has to go deal with, I mean, most of the kids stuff gets me bad. Right. But Uh, that stuff doesn't stay with you at, at work. Like if we were to turn around and say like what I deal with, like, I know that was a question, like, no, what I was going to that was, stuff is doesn't stay with you guys. It comes home, and that's, that's what people forget. That that's yes. the stuff that they don't understand. That you know, if you guys have a tough call or you you know something happens to you at work, it's brought home. You you guys try to not bring it home, but we see it, and we have to put be the strong ones, and we have to show our strength. So not only do I hold the responsibility of showing strength to my fans and the large masses, but, you know, I want to make sure that I show my strength for Arsenio and that, you know, if he's worried about something at work, that, you know, yeah, I'm worried about it, but um, I have to show that everything's going to be fine and not show him how worried I am about him. And, you know, Amanda has to show how, not how worried she is about you, and we have to be strong. We have to sometimes be that matriarch role of everything's going to be fine. In the back of our mind, we're like, oh, shit, I don't know if everything's going to be fine. <laughs> um, but I, I wish, and, I, and I've <laughs> talked about this with, with buddies, but I, I wish there was some type of like emotional car wash that law enforcement personnel could sometimes go through. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> because I don't, it's, it's, we act like it's normal, but it's not a normal thing to go through. Mm-hmm. And it's something I've really started to realize how it's affected me in other parts of life. Mm. And again, I'm not in it like some of the guys are. There right. are guys that are in it and I'm not oh, going yeah. over all that stuff now, but there are guys that are really in it. And so I wish there was, you know, they say sleep and exercise mm. are great, but right. we got to start really kind of like looking at that stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you have happen to have uh, someone super strong at home, I don't know. I'm, and I said I ask because, and I can tell you, you know, from Arsenio, he's mm-hmm. he's a strong guy. He's emotionally strong. Yeah. He's quiet. He's not necessarily very stoic. Yeah. You don't know if he likes you right away. No, but he's <laughs> also not the type. He's not the not the type to come home and be like, "Hey, I no. had a really hard time at work. I'm, you know, forgive me if I'm being quiet over here. It's just I had to deal with X and yeah. X and X. He's not going to do that. No. And but so, you can tell. So, like, yeah, I mean. Being, you know, I have a lot on my plate. Like you said, you know, my titles, if people want to look at it that way, are, you know, first and foremost, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter, I'm an athlete, I'm a gym owner, I'm a coach. So I have all these things on my plate. So when he's having a hard day, I can tell. And I'll usually let him kind of tell me if he needs to, but, you know, nine out of ten times he won't. Um... But I'll just say, like I, like I am with everyone, I'm very blunt. And I say, you know, what is wrong with you? Or I'll say, what, why, are you, why are you having such a bad attitude or something? And I don't mean that because I'm being that prying, annoying wife. But I know that he's, there's, something, there's something stewing and there's something that's bugging him. And then that's usually when I'll find out. But I give him a space a little bit. I let him decompress because um, you have to. And then you flat out just have to be like, Hey, what is wrong with you? And I think that's whether you're married to a law enforcement or not. Like if someone you can tell is just upset, um, and this is how I am, I guess, 
as a coach and as an athlete and as a person. So I think that's another reason why people respect me is I'm very, um, I guess, straightforward. And if I notice some things, something's wrong with someone, I'll be like, hey, what is wrong with you? And then usually it all just comes yeah. spilling out. <laughs> you know, something that hearing you talk about it from your perspective is, is helping me. Mm-hmm. And number one, he might not know what it is. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes there's this like weird like fog or cloud of emotion. You might yeah. not know. So it might take a little bit of self-evaluation. Yeah. And the other thing is I don't know if it's like a wrong like if something's wrong. I don't think it's wrong. I think you guys are absorbing everything. It takes you a while to process every emotion because you guys can go through so many different emotions like adrenaline to rushing to the call mm-hmm. to anger to life. Sa- I, I'm trying to save my life. Um, sadness, fear, all this type of different emotion vulnerability because let's be honest, you're very vulnerable in that job mm-hmm. emotionally and physically. So we talked about that and that's the title of, you know, of everything. And as being married to law enforcement, you ha- you're vulnerable to that too, physically and mentally. So we have to be prepared for that fog, like you said, of you've spent how many days and how many shifts being vulnerable physically and emotionally. Now, something I'll, I'll tell you and I'm trying not to give away too many details, but um, for the listeners, Arsenio and I work for the same agency. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know, not as Lindsay, but as, as Arsenio's wife, and for, for my wife, mm-hmm. is that I get to work in a career where I have people like Arsenio coming to protect me mm-hmm. and help me. Mm-hmm. And I, and I for him, mm-hmm. like the people we worked with, the bond and the work and how much we would risk each other's safety to be there for each other. Yeah. Is there. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. And that is something within the law enforcement community that what we do for each other mm-hmm. goes beyond like what I think most careers do. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like a, the, the, the teamwork there is, is incredible. Mm-hmm. One little area, and maybe it's just me, but a little area in the future is to figure out how we can emotionally support each other better. Oh, for sure. And speaking of which, if anyone's interested in that topic, I'm actually going to reread it because I just reminded myself, but there's a really good book out there. Mm -hmm. If you're in law enforcement or uh, firefighting or first responder or even uh, ER staff, there's a book called Emotional Survival by Dr. Gil Martin. Actually, I've read that. Read it again. (laughs) No, it's a fantastic book. It was like uh, recommended to read it when I think you go through the academy and you have to go through like your spousal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but you see now you don't have the perspective that you have now and the experience and like the stress and the actual. Not jaded anymore. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So to again, emotional survival, Doctor Doctor Gil Martin. It's good. Even if you're not in law enforcement, I think it's good to to understand the emotional support of being married to someone. So obviously you've gone through a lot in the last, last even four years has yeah. been a whole lot it's of a whirlwind of ups emotions. and downs and growth <laughs> and successes. It's a glass house of emotions. <laughs> successes, failures. Um, but right now, where, where do you draw your biggest strength from? 
Um, honestly, Arcee, so our son, um, he has shown me what, and I almost have to get more riled up now because I'm so calm and I'm collective now that, like I said, I, I said earlier that everything seems so much simpler now that I've had him and not as tough. Don't get me wrong. Regional workouts are hard. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I just, I look at him and I'm just like, you know what? This is fine. This is easy. Everything's going to be great. You know, um, one day it's going to be harder than the next, but I look at him and I'm just like, you know what? I can do this. And he's the reason why I know it sounds so cliche. Every parent says, Oh, my kids are my why. Honestly, that bothers me because do they really know what a why means? Do they know what the theory is behind that why? Okay, your child is your why, but why are they your why? Does that make any mm -hmm. sense? They're my why. He's my why because he shows me what it means to make hard times simple. And, you know, you look at him and you're just like, man, you know, everything's going to be just fine because if I have a bad day, I'm still going home to a kid that loves me whether I'm on the podium or not. And you get that, that sweet embracing hug. Yeah. And picking up your child and getting that hug when they're squeezing you is... Yeah, I mean... Like, what's a, what's a hard workout when it comes to raising a man? Exactly. So, he, everything that I do, I want to make sure that I'm showing him what it means to be a good person and what a woman should be like in terms of being independent and that we can do everything that they can do or you guys can do. And, you know, it just, everything yeah. seems so simple. <laughs> and as much as he's learning from you, you're learning from him. Oh, every day I learn. Let me, I mean, I have no patience. So I've learned a lot of patience from having a kid. And I think that's calmed me down where I do really well in a workout and I used to be all freaking fire up and I'm just like, Oh, okay, I did really good. <laughs> and I'm like, well, maybe I should be a little fired up because the old Lindsay would have been like screaming and yelling. And I'm actually waiting for that moment again to be like just so fired up of screaming and yelling. And I haven't done that yet. And I'm like, maybe I need to kind of like fire it up. Maybe I need to have like a Red Bull or something before this workout because he's calm. He's really leveled me out. So I think that's what I've learned. It'll come when, it, when the moment's right, it'll be there. Yeah. And he'll probably look at me like, mom, calm down. He'll okay? probably start crying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'll probably be like, why is she so, why is she yelling? <laughs> but. So you're going full steam ahead this, this season? Yep. Our, everyone asked me that. I was on the plane to Wadapalooza and people were like, so are you competing? I'm like, no, I'm just, yeah, I'm competing. I'm, I'm not investing all this time and sacrifice to do it half-assed. Like I said, when I do something, I do it full-hearted and full effort. And I want to make sure that my son sees me selfishly for, you know, emotional reasons. I want my son to see me at the games. Um, I want him also to see how powerful women are, um, what he should expect of women. We're not meek. We're not weak. We're not simple-minded. I think that a lot of people, it sounds feminist, but I'm not. Um, but I want him to see what we're capable of doing and that he's capable of doing it no matter who he is, what he's doing, how big he is, how small he is, or how strong he is. It, it matters a lot mentally that he can balance a lot of things and accomplish his dreams. 
And you've been that example for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And specifically and very acutely here mm-hmm. with your son. But I guarantee you there's some wall in some little girl's room of a mm-hmm. poster of you. Right? Yeah. And so you've been there for a lot of people. And it's something that uh, I want to point out and say, um, you know, thank you for. Yeah. I didn't. It just kind of happened. <laughs> I didn't really, that wasn't my goal. It just, I just started being good at fitness and then it just kind of grew. And then I saw the power that I had. So I just continued to do what I, what I was doing and didn't change who I was. Instead of lift like Lindsay, you should have a heart like Lindsay. Heart like Lindsay. I should. Can we get that branded now? Can we, can we grab that, that, uh, that, that handle on Instagram? (laughs) Let's do it. So speaking of Instagram at lift like Lindsay. Yes. And AutomoCrossFit.com? Yep. Uh, AutomoCrossFit uh, as well on Instagram and Facebook. Again, Lindsay, I'm super proud of you. Thank you. Have been for a Hopefully long time. Hopefully people enjoyed that, everything that I said. And I apologize for the wee-oo, <laughs> It's much better than like, give me your money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure he'll ask me yeah, for money. Yeah, like, hey, where's my, uh, you got that, where's my peanut butter? <laughs> Can I have some Thin Mints, please? Oh, he already knows what Thin Mints are. And guys, um, sometimes I forget to do this, but if you like the show, go on to iTunes and give a rating there. For some reason, that's important, and it helps spread the show. I'm not spending spending too much time on marketing this thing, but I think uh, the algorithm there, if you go on and leave a good review and a five-star rating, it, it, it helps the show. And thank you for you guys that are listening and telling friends as well. People have been sharing this stuff on Instagram stories and shooting me messages. Um, I really, really appreciate it. I try to get back to everybody and as fast as I can. You can email me at the way at gmail.com and follow me at one Scott McGee on Instagram and at the way on Instagram. There is a Facebook page as well. Uh, between all that stuff on Instagram, you can send me a direct message or an email. And then also keep an eye out. We're working on making shirts and posters. I know we've, I've had the Sisu Way poster for a long time, but that's going to be hitting the mainstream soon. And remember, health is wealth, vulnerability is strength, and strength is a choice. So get up strong and be unconquerable. Thank you. <laughs>